Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It's a victory Monday edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. And I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me today is Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com. And we get to take a little step back and look at the entire NFC picture, the entire NFL picture, honestly, and see where do the Bucks fit into this thing? Six games into the season, one third of the way through the NFL season. How do they sort themselves out in the midst of the mess that's around them in this division and across or in this division and the conference and across the entire NFL? Uh, looking forward to doing that with you here on the show today. It should be a, a pretty good time, I think, jumping into all of this. So we're excited, Scott, to yeah. take a look at the Bucks and dive into some of these things. But there's some roster moves that That's have just right, been breaking made. news. That's why we're a couple minutes late jumping into the show here that Jaden Mickens has been released. Uh, the Bucks' reliable return man, and it looks like Jalen Darden's going to be the guy for the foreseeable future, Scott. Yeah, it certainly comes, you know, at an interesting time because really it's it's nothing that Jaden Mickens has done wrong, right? I mean, he, I thought he's done a credible job, not incredible, but credible job with regards to fun kick returns so far. And, and really what it's doing is, is uh, it's, it's forcing Jalen Darden into this role where he is going to be the kick and fun return guy and kickoffs, maybe not so much of a problem anymore because of so many touchbacks in the NFL, but Pun returns, that's an area that he um, he had a couple of, of decent returns in the preseason, also fumbled one, was able to recover it. But uh, it's certainly going to put a, a big spotlight on the rookie who has not gotten much playing time at all this year, being an inactive um, several games. So we'll have to see how that that uh, transpires. But uh, John Mulchin coming back from injured reserve, they had to release somebody to get him on the active roster. And, uh, and so Jaden Mickens was kind of a luxury because they already have a guy that they drafted in the fourth round that, that they wanted to take over that role this year. And Mickens beat him out in the preseason, John. But I think ultimately right now the future at that position is Jalen Darden, not Jaden Mickens. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I'm with you that Mickens was obviously fine. He was fine last year. More than anything, I like the fact that he's reliable. He's never fumbled or muffed one. Yeah. I know there was one that was fumbled that ended up coming back uh, this past year. But, yeah, that's that's what I like about him more than anything is that you know what you're getting from the game. He's not going to put you in positions. He rarely misplays things. Smart player when he's out there on the field. So appreciate those things about him. I think just one upside, they want to get hard and active. They feel like he's ready. He's been probably catching – returns and practice for uh, a while now for a couple weeks now and so i think that um they feel like he's ready to make that jump and if so there's no real room for mickens but i do think the loss of mickens in the locker room i'm not saying it affects wins and losses it's just i think he's very popular among the other players and so we'll see and he could still come back to the practice squad if he that's true yes with yeah. another team that's and i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case because this team does like Jaden uh, mickens like you said he hasn't done anything wrong it's just that it's a luxury to have both of those guys on the 53-man roster, and they don't want to take a chance in trying to put Jalen Darden on the 53-man roster just because he was a fourth-round draft pick. And and sometimes you know there's that intrigue around the league, and and you miss out on guys in the draft, and you have an opportunity to bring them in. And um, we've seen already Khalil Davis get plucked from the Bucks when they tried to put him on the practice squad. It didn't work out. And right. That's why Kyle Trask is is on this team as the third string quarterback. When really, Ryan Griffin has more experience in this this offense. And if something were to happen to Tom Brady, you know that 
that um, they would put Griffin in there as the backup spot to Blaine Gabbard in that situation and not really play the rookie Trask, but because Trask has got the the draft status, that's why he's on this active roster. And that's the same thing in this case for Jalen Darden, who has not really proven anything yet, but has a lot of potential. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point, Scott. And I think that that's something that the Bucs are kind of considering and weighing with this Darden move. It's like he's maybe ready to make the jump that somebody like Trask may or may not. We'd see if they're right. obviously in case of an injury, but may or may not be be ready to make. And it seems like they feel like Darden is ready. So we'll find out. We've got a cornerback that's on his way to Tampa Bay as well. A free agent signing that we'll talk about in a second, too, as long as getting into all of the rest of the Bucs games, the schedule, the NFC, the NFL in general. We've, I'm going to tackle it all today, Scott. We're going big. And so I'm excited about it on this Monday show. And I'm especially excited because I'm energized by Celsius right now. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy, Scott. I've got the sparkling strawberry guava here. Zero sugar in this thing. Tastes amazing. I've been trying to work my way through the variety of flavors that I have left. And it's amazing how many flavors there are and how good all of them taste while being great for you. No crash. And giving you this healthy energy that kind of keeps me powered throughout the day. For me, it's Celsius heat today. I'm going with the, the orange sickle. This has got that cream sickle mm-hmm. flavor taste that I, that I love. Uh, reminds me of, of eating those cream sickle bars. And of course the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with those cream sickle uniforms. Um, what a great flavor orange sickle. It's different from orange, but uh, it, it's it's got everything that I want in it from a performance energy drink. And just like the regular Celsius products, John, the Celsius heat has the same thing, no sugar. And that means no crash. So you get the energy without the sugar. And, um, you know, it's it's a fantastic energy drink. You can find out where uh, you can pick up Celsius near you by going to Celsius.com, clicking the store locator. And then it'll, it'll pop up a bunch of convenience stores, health and fitness stores, uh, grocery stores, some of the the bigger box uh, chain places where you can grab a can of Celsius, find out your the flavors. I was going to say flavor, but it's really flavors, John. You can't mm-hmm. just pick just one. It's I've got a handful uh, that I that I love, and I've got another handful that I really like. So it's got a great variety of, of uh, flavors for your palate, and um, and then when you want to you know, narrow in on, on one particular flavor or the variety pack, you can go to Amazon and buy them in bulk and save a lot of money and it'll ship it right to your house. Absolutely. It's great stuff with Celsius. All right, Scott, the Bucks have signed a free agent cornerback. His name is Bleedy Ray Wilson. And if you've heard of him before, it's because he's played for the Falcons for quite a while. Bleedy Ray Wilson uh, has been with, he was drafted by Tennessee in the third round back in 2013 and this man has just been hanging on, Scott, hanging yes. on everywhere he's been. He's done all special teams. He's started a few games here and there. At one point in 2014, he started 11 games for the Titans. That was the worst graded season of his career per pro football focus. So maybe the large sample size exposed some things. He's only started six games since that point, but he's consistently been an extra cornerback, played a couple hundred snaps the last two years uh, for the Atlanta Falcons and actually graded pretty decently now. He's He's almost 32 years old, so the Bucs are just looking at vets, looking at smart players, looking at guys who can play inside, can play outside. Bleedy Ray Wilson played about uh, 159 of his 245 snaps in the slot last year for Atlanta. Most of his career, he's been an outside guy. He's been a special teamer. Um, he's a break class, glass in case of emergency guy, but yeah. he's big. He's 6'1", 190. 
I had four, five, three speed when he was coming out. So he's probably still slow like the rest of the Bucks corners, but, <laughs> but he fits the size. And like I said, probably a special teamer who gets, you know, released or moved on from uh, once the Bucks reach that point. Uh, yeah. When Carlton Davis and Char Murphy Bunting and Richard Sherman are ready to come back. And you know what? I was wrong, right? Because I, I, I believe I said that I think they're going to stand pat at cornerback, but you're right. This is a break glass just in case of emergency type of, of roster move. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I think he certainly checks a lot of the boxes physically mm-hmm. in terms of what the Bucks are looking for. He's got some experience and you've seen them go to some of those, those guys, whether it's a Pierre Desir, whether it's Rashard Robinson, obviously Richard Sherman has got a ton of experience. So they're not looking for young developmental cornerbacks to come in. I think they're going to address cornerback in the draft next year, John, but they want some experienced guys just in case they have another type of injury, uh, you know, a quad, a hamstring, an elbow, a knee. I mean, there's been all sorts of injuries that have befallen these Bucks cornerbacks this year. Wait, Having is that a- him? Was he with the Raiders too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it yeah. must be a preseason game. I just have yeah. playing regular season games with the Titans and Falcons, but yep. he's he gotten been around a little while. <laughs> he has, and uh, and and I, I think that the key for for Tampa Bay is finding those types of fits. Again, <laughs> big slow corners that uh, they can play zone and an occasional press man like Todd Bowles wants. And uh, you know, I I I, I think it's a good movies on the practice squad. Listen, when Carlson Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting come back, they're going to have to pair some of the cornerbacks from their roster because I think they've got six healthy bodies now at the cornerback position with the addition of Bleedy Ray Wilson. So some of these guys are going to you know, be sent packing. Uh, and also when, when Richard Sherman comes back as well. But in the meantime, they have to just make sure they can get through these next two games before the bye week, John. And, and then you're – probably three weeks away from maybe getting Sean Murphy Bunting back or maybe getting Carlton Davis back. I think they get their fingers crossed over there at the Advent Health Training Center that one or both of these guys will be ready to come back maybe for that Washington game or shortly thereafter. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, especially when we look ahead at the Bucks, uh, rest of the Bucks schedule and how we kind of consider the potential return of those guys um, to to the roster to impact the Bucks wins and losses later on in the season. Long lost Glazer, Bleedy Ray Wilson, welcome to the most hyphenated roster in NFL history. Yeah, great point. Tons of hyphens all over uh, the Bucks roster. Hezo says, hope John got enough rest this weekend. My man be putting in crazy work on Pewter Report for the fans. No we appreciate it. it. Thank you, Hezo. Appreciate the shout out. I did get a little bit of rest this weekend. I was slated to sleep more than I did, but that has nothing to do with when I got to bed. It has nothing to do with work. I went to bed fine. I wasn't working. I just, the mind gets you up and you're up <laughs> producing articles at five sometimes. It just happens that way. So, you know, Demetrius to- brings up a, a good point. I pray that the team is looking into the strength conditioning program to see if there's anything they can do to get a handle on these DB soft uh, leg, soft tissue injuries. Just to be clear, Sean Murphy bunting on an elbow injury. So that's that doesn't apply to him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the knee injury. Sherman's that, old. <laughs> yeah, Sherman's old. The, yeah, he played three games in, in 12 days. The knee injury to Jamel Dean had nothing to do with conditioning or strength. That was, you know, that that's just a, a, a ligament issue. Mm-hmm. And Levante so, David got bent back over a 300 pound yeah, man. So it, exactly. So I don't I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I will say though that back in the day. Like in the 70s and 80s, there didn't seem to be as many of these soft uh, tissue type of injuries back when you had more pudgy guys, right? I mean, like John Riggins <laughs> was was my favorite player growing up. I was born out. I was born in, in Northern Virginia. Was a Redskins fan for you know for a minute, 
until I moved to Kansas City where I became a Chiefs fan. But but I just remember when when running backs, you know, were and even Walter Payton, who was I think one of the best running backs of all time, obviously he has the record. Um, you know, Emmett Smith, these were guys that were strong, but they were not as as rocked up and chiseled up as some of these guys are now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there a lot of doughboys back in the day, quarterbacks, you know, um, just players at all different types of positions. Yeah. I remember when Joe Jacoby, the left tackle um, for Washington, when he was mm-hmm. 290 pounds in, the, in that, that was considered massive back then. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, and so you didn't have these soft tissue injuries at the same time, though. An ACL injury was sometimes career-ending back then, right? Yeah. So there's been so many advances made with sports medicine, sports science, but you have to wonder if some of these athletes aren't getting overtrained with some of these injuries because it just seems like there's more now in the present-day NFL than there has been. And maybe that's just a general assumption on my part, but could be. I don't know. It also could be heightened awareness for players of their injuries and agents of their status and players having a little more power to like take control of their situation and say, you know yeah. what, I'm not 100%. I need to be upfront about that where back in the day, it was almost more oh, yeah. of a badge of honor, you know, so that could be some of the changing of the yeah. times too, you and in a good way. Yeah, in a good, right, exactly. Yeah, that's the example. What's I would say this though. Uh, uh, let me see here. Scott Reynolds. Okay, get out there, Scott. You're ready to go. <laughs> yeah. They're a little bit better maybe about monitoring some of that stuff yeah. today than they used to be. I will say this too. I think the Bucks, who are one of the biggest advocates of sports science since Bruce Arians arrived, they've actually lost less games start by starters to injuries than I believe any other team in the league since Arians arrived in 2019. Yeah. So they have had a couple of some nagging things, but they have not lied a serious things. And what they've done really well, I think is nip nagging things in the bud very quickly, make sure guys get enough rest so they don't come back and re-injure. I think the Bucks have a very yeah. good program for handling that stuff. So they'll be careful with Richard Sherman and right. we'll get into when maybe his return could happen here in a little yeah. bit. Well, Joel well, says, one, yeah, one last thing. Go ahead and read it, John. John. Oh uh, yeah. He said, I also think that lack of padded practices contribute to injuries. Body can't get used to the brutality of playing the game on this level. That probably does for some injuries, but I bet soft tissues, mostly non-contact. Stuff. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't know that that applies to the soft tissue type of, of stuff, but I, I, I remember talking to Tony Mayberry, not this past training camp, but, but two years ago when the Bucks had their kind of like a alumni reunion out there at training camp. And I was talking to Tony about it. And Tony played at about 285 pounds, a three-time Pro Bowl center for the Buccaneers. Uh, I think probably, the, well, he is the most decorated offensive lineman in Tampa Bay history. Love covering Tony, one of my favorite go-to guys in the locker room. He is probably now 215, 220 pounds at six foot five. Really a shell of his former self. One of those this offensive lineman who's done the right thing and lost all that excess weight uh, in his he'd probably be doing it for, for health reasons, obviously. But but the one thing that he said is he was just shocked at the lack of physicality in, in training camps uh, in, in this day and age. And I think there is something to that because he said the body needs to get um, coarsened to these to the brutality of the game. You know, you had to use training camp two days and, and, mm-hmm. and the physical punishment to get ready for the season. I think a lot of these early season injuries, um, if, if, if you were still back in the day where you had the two a day practices and you had more physicality in training camp, probably wouldn't have these type of injuries. That being said, there is a cost sometimes to the friendly fire that you have in those padded practices. You lose guys to broken hands and, and yeah. knee injuries and stuff during that. So it's, it's so much give and take and and you, you don't know, 
which way is the right way. Tony's right uh, in his argument, but at the same time, it's just impossible to say, was it better off back then? Because, you know, maybe you don't have those injuries now at the beginning of the season, but maybe you have guys in injured reserve because of those injuries right. in your own training camp. Yeah, that's right. Stank says, do you think they also want to get Darden snaps in the receiving game as well? I bet it's limited, but I bet it could be part of the situation if they were to have anybody miss time at receiver. I think they would feel maybe more excited about getting Darden a few reps than they would, especially with Scotty Miller out, than they would Mickens, perhaps. Mickens has yeah. seen the field in a handful of snaps over the last couple of games, but really hasn't been a major part of what they're trying to do, and, and rightfully so. You know, Darden could be, especially if teams, here's another thought just popped into my head, thanks to a good question from Stank. If teams are going to play off the box like the Eagles were, and it was like yeah. ridiculous, Scott. I mean, watching the tape is absurd. Paul and I were like cracking up watching <laughs> yeah. the tape. They're just like literally dropping guys out at the snap. That's yeah. why the Bucs threw 11 screens in that game. Yeah, why not? If you're, if you're going to use that, if that's how teams are going to play you, you need post-catch guys, right? More of those guys. Mickens is not Correct. really that type of guy, and Darden has potential to be that type of guy. So that could be another reason is just looking at how some teams have played them and how teams are just so worried about the Bucs beating them with the deep ball yeah. right now. They, they need guys who can make things happen with the ball in their hands. You're right. And, and I think, too, there is kind of like that that new shiny toy aspect, right, with uh, with Jalen Darden. I'm sure that Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich are itching to get him a play or two, a scripted play, right, like a, mm -hmm. an end around on purpose, a wide receiver screen, something like that where he can use that short area quickness to, you know, to, to get involved in the game plan. And really, remember, that's something that Scotty Miller doesn't possess. Miller's more more vertical speed than he is quick and he, he can't even help the team right now with him being an injured reserve with the turf toe injury but it's something that they didn't see in Jaden Mickens because they didn't feature him in that role but I think with yeah. with Darden he's going to be active anyways he's going to be up dressed as the punt and kick return guy on Sunday against the Bears why not give him a scripted play or two just to use him have something in there at least that makes people think twice yeah I mean right one thing you lost with Scotty was some of that, you know, big play stretch the field ability, even to be a decoy, right? Like you, right. teams have to respect a guy that's that fast, one of the faster guys in the league. Yeah. And Darden's not that fast, but he's he's fast enough that you could still get that element where you weren't gonna, yeah, we're gonna get that with Jaden Mickens. You, yeah, you you're weren't right. gonna get that with Tyler Johnson. And and I think John having Brown, uh, Antonio Brown and Jalen Darden on the field at the same time, maybe going four wide, which is a little rare in Tampa. The Bucks usually We'll go four wide and have a, a tight end in the slot, uh, usually Gronkowski when he's healthy. But but maybe that that uh, wrinkle is going four wide with uh, you know a player like like Mickens um, or not Mickens, um, Mike Evans and mm -hmm. and Godwin inside in the slot and and Brown and and Darden on the outside. You know they, they like to run those nine eight nine vertical routes and and those different types of. Uh, deep posts, mm -hmm. you know, go routes and stuff. So why not use him even as a decoy, as you mentioned, John? Good point. Right. Yeah, that could be something that they're looking at doing with this, uh, with this, with the addition of Darden and defensively. Like you said, Ray Wilson will keep our eyes on things. The other moves we wanted to let you know about: John Molshin has been activated from injured reserve, and he is going to be a, probably moving to the practice squad, I would guess. And then, uh, what else was it? Bleedy Ray Wilson. They, yeah, Elijah Ponder was Elijah released Ponder in order released, to make yeah. room for Bleedy Ray Wilson. Right, that's right. Okay, okay well, let's, well let's let's talk real quick about about uh, what we think might happen. Long lost Glacier brings up a good point: Is Gronk back this week? The Chicago Edge is no joke. Even as Tristan Wirfs found out, Khalil Mack is still really good, right? Shocker. Um, the, yeah, shocker. The All Pro and the Pro Bowler 
lit up Tristan Wirfs for his only NFL sack. Wirfs has only given up one sack. And let's do the math. 20 games last year, six games, 26 games. Only allowed one sack. That's pretty good, right? That's special. Yeah. Uh, so he gets a, a rematch game against Khalil Mack this week mm-hmm. when Chicago comes to town. And, yes, I, I think that there is a chance Rob Gronkowski comes back. Bruce Arians said that, that there was a couple of guys that were close to returning, had this game – had the Eagles game, but on a Sunday, John, one of those guys is Antoine Winfield Jr., mm-hmm. which I believe he's going to be green-lighted this week. He'll, he'll be out of practice. And then we'll see if Gronkowski is that other guy. We'll see if he is close enough to practice and and get on the field and, and, and how he fares. Yeah, for sure. I think Gronkowski and Winfield will be back. Uh, Long lost Glazer's right. Chicago's pass rush is the real deal. I don't see many aspects about this game being super challenging for the Bucs on paper. Obviously, there's a team that we'll talk about in a second has done a lot to make things difficult for themselves this season. But if they take care of business uh, offensively, Chicago is is really struggling. And Justin Fields is holding the ball. He held the ball 3.29 seconds (laughs) against Green Bay, Scott. That is, that's like a second, a full second longer on average than Brady's holding it this season. Right. Just bonker stuff. That's the one thing with him. He can make things happen, but he's holding the ball a long time. That's even longer than than what they just saw in Philadelphia, right? With Jalen Hurts. And Hurts was around 2.9. Yeah. And so what that tells you is he doesn't fully understand where all of his options are. Right. And if, if one option, if the primary read is, is covered, he's got a very hard time finding where number two is and then processing the information. Number one is covered. Is my two a viable option given the defense that I looked at pre-snap and then I'm experienced now after the snap? Right. Right. And then if that's not covered, where's number three? Right. And then the same thought process again. Primary's gone. Two, I'm not sure about. Let me find out what number three is. Maybe it's a check down. And by that time, it's just, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a long time coming for him. And, we'll, we'll, you know, he's typical rookie stuff, but the Bucks will face him in, you know, during that time where he's not really come out of it yet. And so they need to take advantage of that opportunity, obviously. We'll talk more about that matchup specifically as we get into later parts of the week, Wednesday and Thursday. But Let's just look at the NFC right now, Scott. I've got a couple questions for you as we look at the NFC. To me, there are just uh, there are four other teams outside of the Bucs that I believe are just clear-cut competitors right now for the Bucs. Yeah. They're Super Bowl title, the way they look right now, Super Bowl title competitors. And it's the four teams around them on this list that you've put up here. The Arizona Cardinals at 6-0 have shocked me. I never expected them to be undefeated at this point. They've actually beaten some good teams, so I can't even – fall back on that one. I can't believe the level of consistency they're playing with on both sides of the ball. Uh, the defense, what Vance Joseph has gotten out of them, extremely impressive. People had Kingsbury fired before the season started. Now he's 6-0, and and they look they should be 7-0 and after they beat the and Texans. he didn't even coach on Sunday. How about that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the Rams at 5-1, and one, I think they're still coming together on both sides of the ball, sort yep. of similar to the Bucks, kind of a maybe a little bit further ahead of where the Bucks were at this point last year, but Kind of like that. I think there, there's some similarities maybe between those two things. So we'll see how quickly it comes together in L.A. Obviously, the Bucs, the Cowboys, since they've lost, have won five straight since they lost to Tampa Bay in week one. I don't know what to take from that week one game, if any. The Cowboys have obviously gotten better, I think, since that point. The Bucs probably have two. Obviously, the Bucs had four 
turnovers in that game. They only have six yes. turnovers on the season. So four in that game, and they still ended up winning along with all the penalties and lots of self-inflicted stuff and still end up winning that game. A couple big drops in that game. I mean, there were so many issues, and they still won over what I believe is right now probably a top five team in the NFL in Dallas. Oh, in yeah, Green Bay and a five and one too. So those yeah, five teams quality me, win on week one. Right. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and, those you know, five the, teams to me, Scott, are like clear cut. I think they all look yes. legit to me. I'm usually way slower to say that, but I think they all look legit and they look head and shoulders above the rest of the conference, in my opinion. I agree. The interesting thing about this list is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we'll find out in two weeks on Halloween, right? If they can go down to New Orleans and beat the Saints, they will have a clear lead in the NFC South title. So, so much so... I'm not going to say it's over. There's still a lot of football that'd love to be played, but if the Buccaneers are healthy, like reasonably healthy, by the end of the season, they should win the division by a couple of games, in my opinion. Uh, In other words, I think that if they can beat the Saints in New Orleans, they'll put a stranglehold on the NFC South that they're not going to let go of. Right. As long as they keep players stay healthy, right? If you lose Tom Brady, if you lose uh, Vita Vea, you know, Devin White, then things maybe change. But I think that's the case. The Dallas Cowboys look like they're going to do the same in the NFC East. They look like the clear frontrunner in that division right now with how well they're playing. Same can be said of the Packers, although the Vikings, that was an impressive overtime win against Carolina. And I think Carolina is a good team, not a great team, but you can see they're 3-3. They're three and three. Vikings are 3-3 three and three also. The Bears are 3-3. Three and three. I think Tampa Bay will deal them a loss this week, so they'll be 3-4. and four. But then the other thing, John, is the Cardinals and the Rams, right? They've played each other once. The Cardinals dealt the Rams their only loss. They'll have a rematch. And so I I think there'll be some attrition in that division because the 49ers, I think, are good enough to beat either team. We'll see if they can actually pull it off, but I don't think the 49ers are are a bad team. Uh, Depends on how the quarterback play goes, obviously. But I I think that that, that they're not as downtrodden maybe as their their 2-4 and record. And then, of course, the Seahawks. Losing Russell Wilson certainly didn't help matters. But I think that there'll be a little bit of attrition in the NFC West, and that's going to either knock the Rams down a little bit or maybe knock the Cardinals from the unbeaten ranks. We'll have to see. Yeah, the Cardinals right now, that's the the we're getting to that point where it's, okay, we start looking, you know, what are teams going to finish the year at? And obviously we're way too far out. So we're obviously projecting some here, but that's part of right. the fun of it, right? Yeah. Cardinals' rec- our schedule is really not super difficult. I mean, the Texans – then they play the Packers. That'll be a tough one. 49ers, I'm not sure what to think right now. I know that they just played them tough, but I don't know if they have the horses on defense to hold yeah. up if Trey Lance isn't going to just make a huge, weird, crazy middle-of-the-season leap, um, and Jimmy's not that guy. Right. Panthers, I think they're frauds, to be honest. I said that when they were 3-0. and I said, we'll see. Like, Let's see. Now they've lost three in a row, and not all those have been to great teams either. I mean, yeah. it's a team that they lost to the Eagles. I mean, they're – they're struggling right now. I don't think they feel like they have the answer at quarterback that they did in week three. Seahawks, that'll be probably without Geno or with, or with Geno and probably without Russell Wilson, I would say. But it'll be close maybe. If Wilson's the healer that they believe he is, maybe he will be back for that game. Yeah. Then the bye week, then the Bears. That should be a win for Arizona. The Rams is a tough one. Lions should be a win. Colts should be a win. The Cowboys and then Seattle again, if Russ is back or even playing or if Seattle's even in it at week 18, we'll see. But you know the Cardinals probably don't finish worse than fourteen and three at this point. Right. I mean that would be that would be a low end estimate I think for them, and they've got a good chance to finish better than that unless an injury happens, obviously. And you've, you, like I said, you've just got clear cut 
across the NFC, really good team. So like it's the Packers, very top heavy. Yeah. they're going to probably win out their division. The Cowboys yes. are probably not going to lose a game in their division. Like, Correct. So yeah, the Bucks all of a sudden, they might have one of the tougher divisions. Like the yeah. Saints are going to scrap and always <laughs> give the Bucks a challenge. Sure. There are issues with the Saints, though, that I'll touch on really quickly, Scott. I yeah. mentioned this before. They are like 93% in the red zone right now. I just am not sure that's going to continue. I mean, I know it's not. That's the right. record of all time was set last year by Green Bay, and I think they were just over 70% in the red zone. That was unthinkable a couple of years ago, and Green Bay was unbelievable last year in the red zone. Uh, there's just a way the Saints are – and they're not – Saints aren't even a high-scoring team. I think right. I mentioned it going into week six. They were 27th in, in mm -hmm. terms of possessions – that uh, ended in a score. They were 27th, ranked 27th in the NFL. Sure. So they aren't even scoring very often, but every single time they get in position, except for once, they've scored a touchdown in the red zone this year. Yeah. So they are just operating at this crazy efficiency in the red zone that probably is not going to last to that right. degree. So Indeed. some regression is due there, and we're talking about a bottom – ranked passing attack they have now the other thing too is it's just league. the Jameis winston factor we've seen in in spot duty how he's done against his former team the buccaneers right he he came in in relief uh, at in that 38 to 3 blowout and completed a yeah. a pass for a first down and and then he did a couple of kneels and got the got the w that he he you know so deliciously ate after beating tampa bay on sunday night football and then came in on a, on a trick gimmick play and threw a touchdown pass the Trayvon Smith uh, in, in New Orleans. And, okay, great, but they lost that game. How is Jameis Winston going to fare as the wire-to-wire -wire starter against his former team? We've seen Jameis be a little too amped up yeah, in some of those types of big games, and it yeah. leads to turnovers. And so – Right. Uh, but will gonna... the Saints even let him do that? I mean, like – the only time they even let him throw the ball down the field is when they have a schemed open, wide open deep right. shot that he used to hit. And, and sure, he can hit those. Lots of people can. But yeah. they have not given him any of the reins yet. And when they do, I think we all believe what will happen is, right. is, is not good. And I think the Saints believe that. Otherwise, they would have done it. And so what happens when they get into a team that they have to keep pace with offensively? I don't know. Oddly enough, the Bucs should be one of those teams, but haven't really been against the Saints in most of yes. the meetings. So there's still a lot of – I have a ton of interest in that game still. By I the way, too. Michael Thomas reported today for me in Rappaport, he's probably not going to be back in time for the first matchup against the Saints. He's still multiple weeks away, it sounds like. So maybe the second time the two teams meet, but right. probably not going to happen in week eight. So I don't think the Saints are in it for me right now. They're the one team that's, that's strong enough on defense, strong enough on the O-line, strong enough on the run game that – I could see them making a wild card spot, but to me, those five teams are just clearly ahead of the rest. And my question to you becomes, Scott, where do you right now, not saying at the end of the season, but right now, where do you think the Bucs are playing relative to, if we agree that those five teams are ahead yeah. of everybody else in the NFC, where do you think the Bucs are playing relative to those other four? I'm still concerned about the penalties in Tampa Bay because yeah. I, I still believe that the, the only team that can truly beat the Buccaneers is themselves with the self-inflicted wounds. The Rams, from a matchup standpoint, John, um, they concern me in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that, that they're they're a team that, from a matchup standpoint, I, I'm just not crazy about because their offensive line in two games, going back to the one in, in 2020, that 27-24 win in Tampa on Monday Night Football. It's true. Yeah. They didn't allow a sack in that game. They only allowed one sack to Will Golston, kind of in garbage time. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, that those tackles with um, uh, Whitworth and, and Havenstein, Havenstein, both of yeah. those tackles just do a very incredible job 
against the Bucks pass rushers. And so, and not just that, Sean McVay is is not going to allow his quarterbacks to get hit. You're going to see the, the mm-hmm. quick game, the quick uh, smoke routes, the the uh, uh, the, the types of uh, plays yeah. that, that are, are going to be the wide receiver screens and all of that. So I, I'm just of the opinion that I don't think that that you're going to see the Rams not give the Buccaneers a fit. You know, right. I, I think I think that that's that's. So you're looking at it from the matchup perspective, and you're saying the worst yes. matchup for the Bucks is the Rams out of the teams that are left. Yes, and maybe the maybe the Cardinals too. I, I just right. think that, right. that, that that defense is for real, and they can get after yeah. the quarterback. There's no doubt about it. You've got a mobile quarterback that that um, I, I look at Jalen Hurts, and it's not even so much the scrambling. It's not even you know the the, the fear that he's going to break off a 20, 25 yard run or something. It's just inside the red zone. I thought the Buccaneers failed in trying to defend against Jalen Hurts, and I think that Chicago is going to look at this and say, if we can get down to the red zone. We have a chance against the Bucks defense because, you know, whether it's gap integrity, uh, maintaining the edge uh, down there, um, I think they're susceptible to the the quarterback run game, and that's a, that's an area that Jay, uh, that uh, Justin Fields really has, you know, that that dual threat ability, and I, I, I believe that that's what could make this game close. If the Buccaneers beat themselves with penalties, if they allow some big plays to get into the red zone for the for the Bears. I think the Bears can put some touchdowns on the board as opposed to field goals because of that rushing element. And then Kyler Murray, we know he can run and pass, and he is probably the best dual-threat quarterback right now, not named Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I agree with you. I think all four of those teams are a little bit ahead of the Packers right now. Just defensively, I don't know if I'm ready to trust Green Bay. They can't rush the passer that well. Yeah. They're okay, but they're getting better. But yeah, Green Bay doesn't scare me. Yeah, green and 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 yeah, and Tampa Bay's shown they know how to move the ball against Green Bay, do some good things against Green Bay. I think that stays. I think that they again offensively, if they were if Tampa Bay's healthy, you know, then I I'm not that as worried about Dallas as I am the unknown of Arizona. We haven't seen this version of Arizona match up with the Bucs. So we, right. there's the unknown factor and element there. And and the scramble ability of Kyler Murray. I mean, the guy's holding the ball a ton and inviting a ton of pressure this year, but it's right. not affecting them. And it, he is athletic enough that that might continue. And so that that gets scary too. Um, I think the Rams are tough, but I actually feel better about the Bucks against the Rams, even though they lost, based on how the offense moved the football and how much the Rams defense has struggled this year compared to last year. I think if it goes to a shootout and they get another shot at it. I think that they can they can hang with the with the Rams a little bit. I'm so not saying I, Tampa Bay can't beat the Rams, but right. but the other thing too it's is it's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup, and the Buccaneers did have the benefit. And, and I, I talked with Rick Stroud about this on WDA over the weekend on the Insider Show last year when Tampa Bay was was winning more uh, road games, more games away from Raymond James Stadium than they were during the regular season, even. Let's not forget that the Bucks had three playoff games that were on the road. There wasn't hardly any crowds. I mean, you know, you had seven thousand, ten thousand fans in yeah. the stands at some of those stadiums, not seventy thousand, right? And that makes a big difference. And you you saw the crowd noise and how that that amped up the Rams, and and certainly didn't help the Buccaneers when they went out there to SoFi Stadium and lost in Los, Los Angeles. So I think this year more so than ever, home field advantage in the playoffs is going to be critical. It is going to play more of a role than it did last year. And I, th- I think even in the Super Bowl, John, there were more Buccaneer fans there than Chiefs fans. 
right. even though there's just 25,000. We were there. We were in, in yeah. the press box. It made a difference. You yeah. heard the, the, the roar of the crowd for the Buccaneers double that of what it was for the Chiefs. And the Bucs have been a different team at home. I don't know. Yes. I don't really – the numbers show lately, at least, over the last couple of years at least, that the home away thing is is more of a myth. It's Actually, I think teams home teams have a losing record cumulatively over the last couple of years. COVID year might throw a wrench in that and take away something. But o- o- overall, I don't know that it's a huge concern. But I think psychologically for the Bucs, there seems to be something to it right now. Again, you know me. I hate things that I don't don't really. I can't really analyze. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. It's but it seems to be the case. It seems to be holding true for them. They seem like a different team at home. Afternoon games, things like that, seem to be making a difference and making it having an effect on the Bucks. So we'll see kind of what happens as that part of it proceeds. But it's well, something to keep you, in you mind. You know so what? Too, to you're right, John. Here's one thing that you can digest. If you look at at the the scoring right for the Buccaneers home and away this year, and again they were they were better last year on the road. They, they yeah. won more games. Um, on the road than they did at home, but 31 points in the season opener against Dallas at home, 48 points the next week at home against the Falcons. In that loss on the road to Los Angeles to the Rams, only put up 24 points, only put up 19 points the next week in a win at New England. Come home, what's the number again? 45 mm-hmm. at home against the Dolphins. Then you go on the on the, the road to the Eagles on Thursday night. 28 points. The Buccaneers have had 31 points or more in every home game this year, and they have yet to score 30 points or more in any of the away games. So they've had some dominant wins at home, but they've had some very close wins on the road. In the first couple of away games, it was really self-inflicted stuff. It wasn't necessarily like, man, what is this team doing? It was just like, yes, come on. Like if you catch this ball, you know, if AB, you know, the Patriots. That's right, yeah. So there's a lot of that. And And you know what, John? Listen, I mean, in hindsight, Bruce Arians should have sent – Ryan suck about there for a field goal because I would have hit um, not just the over under on my bookie <laughs> for that Thursday night game, but I also would have covered the point spread. I don't know Still what the Eagles were go. doing <laughs> going for two that ruined everything. I had you know the Bucks at minus seven, and those sons of bitches go out there and, and make it a six point margin. It's like ah, it's so terrible, terrible. Hey, my bookie's a pretty good place to go when you want to win some money, though, Scott. And it this is. past weekend, how did you uh, how did you fare a little bit over at my bookie? Uh, I I fared quite well. I did very well in college. I, I won twenty six dollars in college and about fifteen in the pros. So I, I I did I did very well when it came to to my bookie. Um, you know that's that's the place to go when you're looking for um, you know for any types of, of bets. They've got an amazing special right now going on that uh, you can double your deposit up to a thousand dollars and uh, you can do that at mybookie.ag use the promo code pewter and save up to a thousand dollars on your first deposit bonus yeah that's great stuff with my bookie as it always seems to be and uh, that's the place to win yourself uh, some money for sure all right uh, we've talked about the nfc let's just bring the afc into it quickly before we look at the rest of the buck schedule we came into the year fully believing the AFC was going to be better than the NFC this year. I say that as a guy who I was kind of a believer in the Cowboys. I had them winning that division with ease. Some people were going with Washington. I did not think that was going to be I didn't either, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of a believer in Dallas, and they've still kind of surprised me with how good they've been. Um, and I think that Arizona has completely shocked me. So I had basically two contenders while the Rams and Packers have been and Bucks have been exactly what I expected. Right. There's five contenders to me there in the NFC with the Browns and their struggles. Uh, you know, they're still a good football team. 
they'll be tough for everybody. You know, maybe they're the 10th best team in the league, but I don't see them necessarily in the picture right now. I think Baker Mayfield's injury and he's not as good. If you look at the top nine teams in the NFL, and I'm talking about the five teams we just talked about, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Bills, and uh, the Ravens, they're all quarterbacked by a monster, by an elite player. I don't know if Baker's in that conversation. Like he might be okay. It's good, but the injury – Plus, I don't think he's I don't think he's on that level. I don't think he's he's that good. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's that good though. I just think right. that there's a lot of hype around him and he just is not special to me. Right. I mean, he's had moments where he he could have been, right? That even in that week one Kansas City game, right? I mean, he had an opportunity, threw a pick. I mean, those are the moments we're looking for and waiting for, and he didn't do it. So you look at the Bills, I think they're probably the best team, them and the Ravens. Yeah. The Bills are four and one. Ravens are five and one. The Ravens have been very impressive. And I think that's what, what Baltimore has been waiting impressive. for is yeah. for Lamar Jackson to become that passer. We've seen them roll up the wins and roll up the records and, and everything yeah. during the regular season. And you get to the postseason, and Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. And that's what's been the Achilles seal for Baltimore. I mean, he, he passed for it's, over 400 yards, completing right. what, 85% of his passes, some ridiculous stat like that. It's crazy how yeah. much better he's gotten he's this year. Yeah, yeah, and he's always going to be the most athletic player. Like, I don't think anybody in the league will ever top him in terms of athleticism. Right. Um, so it it's just makes so it interesting. Right. If you look at the divisions really quickly, the Bills are 4-1. and one. The next best team in the East – or the, the two and four Patriots, the, the AFC East yeah. has always been the AFC least. It's been the Patriots on top. Now it's just the Bills, and you got three also Rams in New England. You got the Jets at one and four, the Dolphins at one and five. Those two teams are basically out of it already, the Jets and Dolphins. They are. I mean, that's, yeah. The Bills have already basically, the Bills are going to win the division. Yes. We'll see in the AFC Easily. North. The AFC yeah. South, the same thing. The Titans are going to win the division. I mean, the I AFC, AFC South, I mean, the Titans are three and two right now. And again, the Colts are two and four. Titans the Texans probably lose and Jaguars are one and five. So. Right. Yeah, but the Titans aren't a fact. Nobody in the South is a correct. So who cares who wins? Nobody. Me, is. It's it's really Chiefs, two divisions. Chargers, Chiefs, yeah. Chargers, Bills, and Ravens. I, that's the, the, I the interesting that. thing about the AFC West is the bottom feeder teams, Denver and Kansas City, are three and three. Right. But that's mm-hmm. that's the the worst record in the West is a five hundred record right now. Both the Chargers and Raiders are four and two. Same thing with the North. We talked about those two lopsided divisions. The East and the South, the same thing in the North. You got the Ravens on top at five and one. The Bengals at four and two. Cleveland's been the surprise disappointment at three and three, along with the Steelers at three and three. So, again, the the bottom place teams are three and three. They're at five hundred right now. So, right, it's, it's kind of a of an interesting yeah. AFC picture, and not nearly as as good as, as I thought it would be. And and are the Chargers ready? They're a nice team. They're taking a nice step. That was a big step back, though. Yeah, they took a big step back. back. They got whooped. Herbert's very good. Is the defense ready? Is the O-line ready? I think there's legit questions about that with the Chargers. They might be a year away still. Right. Very impressive team. Still going to be in contention, I think, for the the West, as long as the Chiefs' defense continues to be just atrocious. I I, I, I think this is a good – a good statement right here. The Baker is the, the two of the North. And, and I was not I a big two of yeah. yeah, I just don't see two of making it in the NFL. Yeah, not to the I, star level. No. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Greg, with I'd love to see a yeah. Baltimore versus Tampa Super Bowl strength versus strength, rush attack versus run defense. Here's the, the X factor, though. Baltimore's rush <laughs> yeah. attack isn't just a rush attack. It's also Lamar scrambles, which doesn't yes. have anything to do with your defensive scheme. That's true. And why I don't want to see that at all because yeah. – I, Lamar's going to win a Super Bowl before he's done. Like yeah. I think I believe that strongly. Is it yeah. this year? I don't know. We'll see. But he's just such a unique player. It's so hard to prepare. 
the way you do for every other team in the league and then have a player like him changes all the other things that you do. And then when he's also complete and big time throws, tight window passing, yeah. he's a very unique player. And I think the fact that he's gotten better this year and isn't going to beat himself as much now is yeah. pretty scary for other teams. So we'll see if he can maintain it. I think right now, if you're ranking everybody in the NFL, Scott, to me, I think Tampa Bay's third or fourth right now. And they mm -hmm. have the ability to be first for sure. They, do. they can play a little bit better. They do. Penalties are a problem. Drops are a problem. Tom Brady's lost more production to drops. Than, the only yes. team that beats the Bucks is the Buccaneers. And it's especially the moments they've done it in, Scott. Yes. Like the, the Brady has lost touchdowns, huge gains. There's been five or six drops on third down in other yeah. teams' territory. It's those moments that, that are holding them back. I mean, they could be the top-scoring team in the league if they weren't doing that themselves. I think Paul wrote an article this morning right. at pewterreport.com mm -hmm. that showed Brady's lost more value in production meaning stronger possibilities of touchdowns right. and points and things like that because of drops this season than any other quarterback in the league, and it's not even close right now. And I think that's very indicative of where the right. team is at. Yet they're still 5-1, and one, you know, yeah. that, that, because John, despite all Don't look now, but the Bucks, their offense just got better the last couple weeks because it's got more balance now, right? You've got a guy in Leonard yes. who, who's, who's no longer like the butt of jokes, right? He's, he's, right? he's now known for making great plays like touchdowns and, and not, you know, uh, blowing assignments and dropping passes. I mean, he's, he, to his credit, he has really become another weapon, right? It's, it's yeah. like, you know, the, the obvious usual suspects, right? I mean, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. And then when you add him into the mix, and then, oh, look, we forgot about O.J. Howard. Look what O.J. did, right? Right. It, they're they're kind of stepping up in that role that maybe Scotty Miller had last year, making some of those big plays, the catch against the Raiders for a touchdown right before halftime. The, obviously, the, the catch before halftime against the Packers. Those are those special plays that you need from some of those fill-in guys. And I think Leonard Fournette has really been one of those big-time fill-in guys, those two touchdowns against the Eagles. Um, those, those were big, right? I mean, he's really playing well right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. He's playing great. And I'm actually going to write about him uh, this week uh, for Peter over at PeterReport.com. I can't, I haven't decided yet. I think it's going to be, I'm going to write a little bit about him at least in Bucks Briefing. He's going to be one of my seven points in Bucks Briefing. And he uh, might have some more content coming on him too, depending on the quotes we get this week. He's on my radar uh, for like a little bit of a feature piece if we get him and stuff, because he's had yep. some good things to say too. So, it's fun. Uh, yeah, you. Um, I think that we'll, uh, we can turn our attention maybe in a second and look at the Bucks' upcoming schedule. Yep. Um, and we'll obviously have our Leonard segment on Wednesday, uh, as we always do, of course. Um, and it'll be good things for sure yes. this week. Um, but I think you know, even as we as we rotate attention and look at this Bucks schedule, I want to make let make sure people know that Spotify Greenroom is a place that you can jump in and you could talk and get in depth about all of these things. So no matter what. Your team is. I see some Chiefs fans in the chat. And I know Bucks fans are kind of taking care of them right now, doing what they got to do, and and that's you know that's all good, man. We get the tension in the group chat. I love it. Uh, and you Spotify green room, you can literally all grab the mic and go at each other. And so you can talk music, sports, culture, all of it. Download it on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Follow Pewter Report. Get the notifications when Pewter Report goes live over on Spotify green room, and uh, we'll have some uh, some in depth stuff going on over there as the season progresses. So make sure you give us a follow on that platform of course um scott let's look at the bucks remaining schedule here because i think that uh yeah there's uh there's some games here that here's the good part scott even though we go with say in the same breath the nfc is tougher than we thought it was going to be going yeah. to be the bucks to get to the super bowl yeah, we'll see what happens with injuries with everybody but 
it feels like the path is going to be going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of good. And we haven't, you know, the saints, like I said, regardless of whether they're good or not, if they're in the playoff mix and you know, they're a wild card team or whatever it might be, you know, that's a, they're just still going to be a tough challenge for the bucks. I think as long as Dennis Allen's there and Sean Payton's there, they, they know how to draw things up. They're not going to get blown out. They're going to be one of those spoiler type teams this year, I think. Um, so challenges in the NFC for sure. But I, I don't think the rest of this schedule is very difficult. If they finish worse than 14 and three, I think it's a it's a disappointment. I'll say, like I, you know, it's a mild sure. disappointment. But yeah, you get to twelve and you know whatever five or, I think yeah, you start getting into like that's a really disappointing season. Yeah. Um, you know, barring injuries at, at certain positions, obviously. Well, and, and you're right, especially because what that might cost you is a home playoff game, right? I mean, that that's the thing. It's if you if you win the division, you you get a home playoff game, and and I think Tampa Bay is going to do that, but. I'm not saying Tampa Bay has to have home field advantage. Maybe the Cardinals finish with a win more, but you're right. I predicted through 13 and four originally, and we'll see how this plays out. Unfortunately, whether it's Tony Dungy as coach, John Gruden as coach, uh, Bruce Arians as coach, you, you can pick whichever Bucks coach you want. There has been a disappointing loss in every season. There was one last year in Chicago, right? They had no business losing to the Bears on Thursday night, 20 to 19. That's self-inflicted wounds. And are the Buccaneers going to be playing perfect football to where they're going to be impenetrable here throughout? And listen, there's no shame in losing to the Rams, in my opinion. The Rams are a damn good football team that was on the road against a team that has only lost to the undefeated team in the league, right? The Cardinals. So, I, I you know... I don't want to say that's a quality loss, but it's a quality loss. Where, where are the other losses on this schedule? I mean, the Buffalo game is going to be probably the most challenging. I think Buffalo sure. is 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 probably the team where you could say if the Bucks are going to lose, that would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Can the Bucks run the table in the NFC South? Now they beat the Saints last year in the playoffs in New Orleans, but they had lost five straight to New Orleans. Dennis Allen has this team's number. Right, that defense. The Saints have lost a lot of personnel from last year. We'll see if that makes a difference in in these upcoming games. The next of which, and if you're looking at the schedule on on the screen here on our YouTube channel, the red games are the home games. The pewter games are the road games. And of course, the Bucks have a bye week in the middle of the season, which is going to be good. They'll get some some key players back from injuries. But yeah. um, they beat. A Washington football team that wasn't very good last year, John. What was Washington's record? Seven and nine. Yeah. Okay. Seven and nine. They barely beat that that team with Taylor Heineke quarterback on the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that the Buccaneers are a juggernaut in the, that they will run the table. Can they? Yeah, I, I think they can as long as they are playing their A game. Because when the Bucks bring their A game to the table with the talent that they have, and as they get healthier, they will be the best team in football. The times where they will not win games, yeah, you know, it might happen once, it might happen twice, it might happen three times down the stretch, will be the games where they beat themselves. Right. No, I completely agree. By the way, if you can hear some pounding, it's because they are building a house right next door to ours. Right. In it's your popular, John. You're in. <laughs> you're 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 a magnet for people, and they, they want to be around you. They've been building this whole community where we are, and now they're building the house right next to us. Has been just a lot. 
that they've like barely done any work on and they've built houses all around that but the house right next to us there's been just basically the lot there and now they're finally starting the building process over there and you can hear them of course they're in earnest uh, during this podcast time well i I think the thing to do john is to is to go you know bring a couple celsius's over there to them i should just say hey guys take a break for an hour we're doing a podcast now enjoy a celsius you know and uh you can start uh, rebuilding the house at, at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. That's right. All right, let's go through this buck schedule, and maybe we'll uh, we'll pick kind of what we what we think is going to happen as, as the season kind of progresses right now for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Chicago, to me, uh, the way I see it is that that game has to be a win. I mean, at home, Chicago is just not finding the answers offensively. I think, to me, you're probably going to need a team that's stronger defensively than Chicago is or, or yes. finding some level of answer offensively to finish this thing out. In fact, that's a story as you look across the remaining Bucks schedule. Opposing offenses just don't really have it that they're facing right now. Uh, you know, Chicago's struggling. Chicago and Saints, yes. I said, are the two bottom-ranked passing attacks in the league right now um, in terms of passing yards per game or overall passing yards. That That's yep. that's good news for the Bucks for sure. Uh, Washington – um, is a team that's really struggling. They're they may have a quarterback change. Right yeah, yeah, they're in disarray. That yeah, really that are. defense is honestly in the bottom. You know, I know they were good last year, but they yeah. are a train wreck right now. Speaking People of train Chase wrecks, Young John, a, a, a bust like <laughs> the New York Giants the next week, right? Oh the, my the, gosh, the Joe, I mean, Joe, Joe Judge, Judge might experiment. not be there by then. <laughs> yeah, it's probably coming to a yeah. quick end. Carson uh, Wentz know. is playing a little bit better in Indy. Yeah. That, I could see them being like it's getting back to being like an eight and eight team. I think. Yeah. Decently well coached. That's a little bit of a scary one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta will be again. They'll be okay. In they my play the too. Bucks tough in Atlanta. Yeah. They do yeah. right. I mean, a bad Falcons team was up seventeen nothing last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the writing was on the wall. The wall they, they'd already fired. Uh, mm-hmm. You know Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris. The writing was on the wall for him too. The interim head coach. They really had nothing to play for, but they went out there and put seventeen points up and took a big lead. It took 31 points in the second half for the Bucks to rally for a 31 27 uh, win. So I, I think that's, I, I think, I think that that's always a bit of a scare. Again, yeah. the Bucks are playing Bucks football. They're going to win against these lesser teams. It's just, can, can they, can, can they put the nail in the coffin? We, we've seen the Buccaneers allow the Cowboys back into that week one game. We, we saw the Buccaneers allow, the Falcons to tighten the game to what 27, 24, 28, 23, whatever it was, 28, 25. Um, we saw a 28 to seven lead against the Eagles, John evaporate, and they ended up winning by six points. So again, it's, it's about the Buccaneers and how well they play that there are some, some games that will be a little challenging. I'm, curious to sell. I wish we could fast forward to the Saints game in Halloween in New Orleans. I think that'll be a big barometer to yeah. see how this team plays on the road. Because again, if they don't play well on the road and they lose that game, then you start talking about the Colts game being more of an issue because maybe they're not playing well on the road this right. year. Maybe that's that's kind of the team's hiccup is not playing well on the road. And then that Carolina game, right? You've got two right. games. The Carolina game, which I believe is is the day uh, before Christmas? Is that right? That sounds about right. Yeah, I think Christmas, seems... Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve for those games. I believe that's the case. So you've got Carolina, and you day been... after Christmas. Yeah, day after Christmas. Okay, so yeah. that means you're going to be spending Christmas on the road in Carolina, right? Christmas night, um, you know, in Carolina, waiting yeah. to play the game the day after Christmas. Same thing 
with the Jets. You're playing in New York. You're going to be in New York, in your hotel, on New Year's Eve. I'm sorry, on New Year's, and then playing that game the, the day afterwards. So just the fact that those are around the holiday season, these guys are human beings. They've got families. They've got kids, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a distraction, but you never know. I, I always like – I always like the team's chances when the calendar hits and you've got, whether it's around Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas or whatever, and the same with New Year's. I like when those games are in Tampa, just for that reason. Right. I I think so, too. Uh, I think that the way that I see this schedule, yes, there are a few potential mild challenges along the way, but they shouldn't lose more than two games the rest of the year. They just shouldn't. Um, Yeah. I think those two losses will be (laughs) – I think the Saints going into the bye week is one of those games that just causes us to pour out. Like the Saints are not as good as the Bucs. I don't think it's because of Jameis. I know people are kind of – Bucs fans are not worried, but would dread that, obviously. I think it's it's the defensive scheme against Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians. And And the way the Bucs have played on the road doesn't give me as much confidence. I think they'll figure that part out by the end of the season, by the way. But I think that game going into the bye is one that catches them slipping a little bit. Um, it could. I don't think that's a bad loss, though, like the Bears last year. Correct. Me. I know the Bears Correct. made the playoffs yeah. last year, but they were a terrible team. I don't think the Saints are, are terrible like the Bears right. were last well, year. John, we, we have to remember, too, that the Bucks put up 30 points in New Orleans last year. They won 30-20 to 20 that game. But it was takeaways by the Bucks' defense mm-hmm. – that really set up some short fields, right? That that Sean Murphy bunting interception into the New Orleans red zone, right? That set up a very short field. You had the the interception by Devin White later in the game that set the Bucks up with with a prime scoring opportunity on the Saints side of the field. The same thing with that big key forced fumble by Antoine Winfield Jr. and then the scoop and, and return, not to the end zone, but into the red zone by Devin White. Those were three short fields that the Bucks had to put up those points. I think it's a different story when you're asking your offense to go 80 yards against the Dennis Allen defense, right? Than it is to go 20 or 30 yards because of a short uh, field, um, you know, momentum changing plays on defense. And I think that if they're going to beat New Orleans in New Orleans in two weeks, they're going to have to have uh, more takeaways on defense and kind of replicate that performance just because Dennis Allen knows this Bruce Arians offense and, and and has a track record stopping it. Right, for sure. I think that is just going to be a tough matchup for them. I think they solve it by the end of the season. I think the Bucs are playing good football by the end of the year. And I think that the Bills are the other one. I think the Bills just yeah. right now are better. We'll see. I, I, I'm not – I'm not – I think that game could be really like one of the best games of the year, though. I don't think – No doubt. Not, like the Saints, if they lose the Saints, that could be like a maddening game that drives everybody crazy. I think both teams could come out of the Bills game like, wow, like this was – fun and this could be the super bowl like i think that's yeah. how teams may feel or we may feel about it when that one's over and we'll see kind of who wins but i think the rest of them are wins for the bucks i really do i think should be i think right? this is a team that finishes 14 and 3 and we'll see if that's enough for the one seed scott but i think that's that's what their hope is that that's enough yeah. for the one seed based on arizona and the and uh the and the rams playing in a tougher division and you know what the buccaneers have won the nfc south three times and keep in mind they didn't win it last year right they won a super bowl but the saints won the nfc south they've won it three times those were under john gruden in 2002 2005 2007 but in 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 none of those years did they run the table and have an undefeated record not even in the super bowl year remember they opened this the season with a home loss to the saints that year 
And I believe they lost in New Orleans that year as well. Two of those four losses in, in Gruden's 12 and four season in 2002 were in the NFC South. So the Bucs have never run the, the table in the NFC South before. They've also, and I, I answered this question in today's Bucks uh, Monday mailbag, they've never had a undefeated home schedule before. They've, they've won all of their games. The closest they came, I believe, was in, I think, 99. They were 7-1 and one under Tony Dungy. So yeah. they've never had a year where they've gone 8-0 at home. And matter of fact, uh, you know, under, under Bruce Arians, they still have a losing record, I think, at home. Or, or maybe it's close to 500 now. But the first year, I believe they won three home games. And they were 5-3 and three on the road. Last year, they had a better road record than they did at home. So they're still trying to make up ground and create that home field advantage now in year three under Bruce Arians. So far, so good. 3-0 right now, John. Should be 4-0. Uh, by the time we do our post-game podcast after the Bucks bears game. Yeah, it should be. It'd be interesting if they win both going into the bye. I mean, we we will probably – the talk will pick up a little bit on one seed, and we'll, and we'll talk about those those possibilities because they'll be in a really good position, I think, if that's the case, for obviously playing really confident football. When you feel like you've solved the Saints yeah. a little bit, especially the Bucks' offense solved the Saints a little bit and not aren't as dependent on – the Saints' mistakes to win, like maybe happened in the playoffs, I think that you feel really confident going into the bye. Plus, then the opportunity to get healthy. That's the other part about playing the Saints. Bucks are probably going to be without maybe their three best corners. We'll see. I mean, Dean's playing well, but and then we'll see if I anything say, happens. You including Richard Sherman and your I don't know how I feel about corners. that. I don't know how I feel about that yet. I, I think athletically might be zapped, but I, I don't think athleticism is as important in the Bucks scheme as other right. schemes. So. Maybe could be, I don't know, but right now Dean's better for sure. So yeah. three of their top four or whatever, we'll see. Cockrell's good too, but he might be a little bit scheme dependent and role dependent, I think um, yeah. more so than the other guys. So yeah, I, I think that that makes it a challenge too for now that how quickly can they get healthy on the other side of it? Like I said, right. they're not facing vaunted passing attacks, but I like where they're at right now. I would like it a lot more if they could clean up a couple things on offense. I know defense is going to struggle. I think when they, everybody's healthy, they'll be, a, a solid defense, not a great one probably, but a solid defense. Hopefully that's enough. Green Bay's defense isn't great. Dallas's defense isn't great. The Rams' defense has taken a big step back from last year. Yeah. Might find their way, but I'm not counting on it. The safety play is just worse than it was last year. Um, we'll see. They could they could definitely b- bounce back still. They're, they're, you know, there's still good things happening there for sure. Right. The Cardinals' defense is good, but will it last? They don't have as much talent as some of the teams I just mentioned. And so yeah. – uh, I just wonder if that catches up with them. So it's way more important that the Bucs get elite on offense than it is that they get elite yeah. on defense from where they're at now, or even like very good on defense to me. They just need this, to get healthy on defense, John. That's, that's yeah. the thing. But this can be the best offense in the NFL and yes. probably would be had they not let opportunity slip them by through the first six weeks. Sure. And now if they can do that and cut those things out, nobody's going to care. They're five and one. Yeah. You know, they obviously won the games, but how you pl- that's why we always say like yes a win's a win for that team but if we're projecting ahead how you win is important and the bucks haven't won the way they should against teams like the patriots and the eagles where right. they could have blown those teams out and been far better than those teams and they didn't and now that matters moving forward if they can correct those things and take care of some of the things that hurt them like drops and penalties and a lack of efficiency in certain areas right. they'll be they, they'll be in the conversation and in the rankings statistically and every other place for yeah. the best offense in the NFL. That's where they need to be. If their offense can be that good, 
their defense just being okay will be enough. I like, agree. That's where it matters, I think, by the end the of the next season. update, uh, to answer your question, is uh, is tomorrow. Bruce Arians will be addressing the media. The players have had the time off since Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. They did have to report to the Advent Hill training facility today for COVID testing, but they had the day off. There was no meetings or anything like that, no lifting. Yeah. That will come tomorrow, and so uh, that's – yeah, that's the the schedule. So tomorrow, and then Wednesday, Thursday, and then the, the players have a walkthrough on Friday before Sunday's game. Bucks time 12, 13, and four. Been calling it realistic. That was my season prediction at the beginning of the season. Thirteen and four. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to, to say fourteen and three right now, depending on that. Yep. So. For sure. Could be. Hey, head on over and check out our friends over at livinggolflife.com. We got the best stuff. We got polos, hats, all the above. Check out their Instagram. Check out all the stuff that they're putting out. They've got some new stuff coming up pretty soon on the site. Great gifts, great stuff for you when you're out going on the golf course as well. Great guys. And they've just got a, a tremendous brand that they're building over there. So make sure you check out them and check out all that they're into over there. We'll be back on the podcast Wednesday. 4 p.m. Eastern. Drew, we appreciate the super chat. Glad you were able to catch us live for a little bit. Uh, we appreciate y'all jumping in here and joining with us on the show. Great turnout for the Monday show, as it always is. And we're excited about the Wednesday show. We'll preview this upcoming game against the Bears and talk in depth about it. And as well as all the things coming up for the Bucks this season, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. Make sure you're subscribed up to Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Thanks so much to everybody for listening and to another great edition on the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.